it captures some of the tough times, some of the difficult times, but always reminds us that actually there is hope. And I don't know about you as you think about the situation in Ukraine, but maybe the words we've just sung in that chorus are the things to keep crying out. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Pour out your spirit, we pray. Pour out your spirit on the church in Ukraine. Pour out your spirit on the church in Russia. Well, today uh, is one of those days in the UK calendar when we're, we're prompted to be thankful, aren't we? We're prompted to be thankful for, for something or more specifically today to be thankful for someone. I've always found it odd that we need to be prompted to be thankful. Do you find that odd? I wonder if it's because we're naturally wired towards a sense of ingratitude and, and towards a sense of entitlement. Of course, if we lived here in the United States, uh, we would have an actual day of gratitude, wouldn't we? Once a year, uh, somewhere towards the end of November, just before Christmas, uh, called Thanksgiving, a whole day in the diary to be, to be grateful, and then probably the next day you, you stop being grateful. That's pr- presumably how it works. Well, in our scripture reading this morning, Jesus' journey is continuing. It's continuing towards Jerusalem, towards his death and his resurrection. And Jesus is somewhere uh, along the border between Samaria and Galilee. That's a really significant uh, side note. He's between Samaria and Galilee. And we find in the story just one thankful person when there should be at least 10 thankful people. Now, these 10 people have, been, uh, have the worst possible disease of their day. Now, I did a bit of research and looked at a few horrendous pictures of people struggling with leprosy in the week that's just been. Leprosy attacks the body. Uh, it leaves the body incredibly sore. It will cause you to lose your fingers, to lose your toes. Your limbs eventually become so numb that all the, the nerve endings get damaged to the point where you end up hurting yourself further because you don't even feel uh, some of the pain in that particular body part. Leprosy can take 30 years to, to run its course. And there were stories in that that I read of people's limbs literally just falling off as a consequence of this disease. It's, it's horrendous, absolutely horrendous. Now, of course, most of us will have a nearly impossible task of trying to fathom what it would have been like to have lived with leprosy some 2,000 years ago with no medical treatment, at least not the kind of medical treatment that we know and enjoy today. In fact, the medical treatment back in Jesus' day was so bad that sick people were sent to people like me, utterly unqualified medical people to declare them healed or unhealed. I mean, can you imagine having to see me uh, to make you well, beyond praying for you, of course. But perhaps worse than the physical pain was the emotional pain of a leper. A leper would be removed from his community. There would be no contact whatsoever with children or with grandchildren, with with spouses or, or anyone that we come to know and love in our community. Imagine for a moment a COVID-style lockdown that lasted for 30 years or more. I mean, 10 days is bad enough, isn't it? Imagine 30 years living in pure isolation. Well, of course, lepers, in order to, to find community, would group together and they would roam around together. I guess there was a, a community there, but too, there was probably safety in numbers. They would spend their time looking for food, begging for assistance from a great distance. There was no social services. No one was going to help unless you asked for that help. And in order to get the help, the lepers had to shout in loud voices. 
They shouted because they needed to warn other people that they were around, but also they had to shout to the people who were across the road to try and leave them some kind of assistance. Can you imagine even for a moment what it must have been like to walk around shouting constantly when you saw another human being, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean, keep away, keep away from me. When I found it hard enough admitting that I tested positive for COVID back in November. Well, in our scripture reading this morning, 10 lepers encounter Jesus. And they hear him say in response to a perfectly reasonable request, something that to my ears sounds quite unusual, but actually in society was quite normal. They say to Jesus, Jesus, we want to be well. Well, listen to how Jesus responds. This is Luke chapter 17. I'm going to read from verse 11 through to 19 if you want to follow. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, on the way to the, the events of Easter, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When Jesus saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked him, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So these ten men have the worst disease of their times. And Jesus says to these lepers, off you go. Go and show yourself to the priest. Now, I guess Jesus could have just healed these men, couldn't he? Like he did in some of the other miracles. You remember the story of where Jesus just spat in his hand and then rubbed that with some dirt into a person's eyes and they were instantly able to see. Jesus could have healed them in the, the click of some fingers, but on this occasion, he chooses not to. Instead, Jesus follows societal conventions. In fact, more importantly, he follows the rules of the law and he simply says, go off to the priest, go to the priest you see, the local priest had duties other than leading worship on a Sunday. Unlike Kay and I, uh, the priest then didn't only work on a, on a Sunday. They had to work on the other days of the week as well. But this local priest was a religious leader, yes, but he was also something of a health official. I mean, can you imagine? If a person was somehow healed of leprosy, it was up to the priest to inspect the body and then to announce whether that person was healed or not. No, I don't want to see your various ailments in the room behind after the service, but thanks for your kind offer. So grateful for the NHS. But Jesus' reply to these men really was something of a test of their faith, wasn't it? Jesus could have said to these guys, look, I'm really sorry. Don't you know I'm on a mission? I'm on my way to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, I'm going to be brutally crucified on a cross, and then three days later, I'm going to come back to life, and I'm going to rise again. I'm really sorry, I don't have time for, for your little complaint. I've got bigger things going on. He could have just dismissed them, but he doesn't. Instead, we read in the text that Jesus had compassion for them. Now, I expect these lepers, having heard some of the stories about Jesus up to this point, thought, we'll call out to Jesus, he'll come over, he'll lay hands on us, and then he will pronounce us instantly healed. They probably weren't expecting him to give them a command, go and see the priest. 
You see, it was only people who were actually healed, like really healed, who needed to bother going to see the priest. And these men would have looked down at their bodies and the hand of one man was still completely mangled. Another man looked down at his leg and there was still a rag there catching all the nasty stuff that was pouring out of his leg. Another person would have looked at his skin and seen that his skin was just as repulsive as it was before. The last thing that a priest wanted to see, and on this point I can empathize, is 10 smelly, disheveled, deformed, contagious lepers who actually haven't been healed, and it's obvious. And that's their state, isn't it, in this moment when they're having this conversation with Jesus. What a challenge. Despite Jesus' instruction, these men are no better off in this moment than they were 10 minutes before, before they'd called out to Jesus. And yet, and yet, they had enough faith to do what Jesus instructed them to do. And they, they head off in search of the priest. And the text says, on their way, on their way, it says, they were healed. On their way. On their way, a hand suddenly came back and tingled with life. On their way, that rag dropped off the man's leg. And I imagine him tripping over it on his crutches as it fell to the ground. And then he tossed away the crutches, realizing he didn't need them anymore. On their way, the, the wounds were healed. It's a really challenging story because if they disbelieved Jesus and they'd simply laughed at his command as being illogical given the state of their skin, they wouldn't have been healed in that moment. They believed him and they received their healing as a consequence. And I think this is a really interesting challenge for us because you see this pattern repeated throughout the scriptures. Sometimes we need to take a step of action before Jesus can or will act. Well, can you imagine their response in this moment? One looked at the other, another looked at the rest, and then the screaming started. The smiles came across their faces. They jumped and they leapt around for joy. So what do they do? They race off into the distance. They're blown away by the reality that finally my life nightmare is over. Hallelujah, freedom. And off they go to their old lives and to their old wives. Well, their wives would have been old. They've had this condition for 30 years. But the text says one leper turned back. On the most exciting day of his life, one step leper stops in his tracks and he turns around. Luke says, now one of them, when he saw that he'd been healed, he turned back. There's, there's kind of an element of suspense in this verse, isn't there? Now when he saw, there's this immediate instinctual response on the part of this lone leper. Whilst all the others are walking off towards the horizon, this man turns around and heads back. You see, this man recognized something that we should all recognize, that he's received mercy that he didn't deserve. He, deserved, he received mercy that he didn't deserve. And that reality overwhelmed him to the point that he stopped in his tracks and he turned around. He turns around to come back to the source of his overwhelming gratitude. He doesn't bother with the priest. He goes straight back to the king of kings. Stop. Turn around. And then secondly, in the text, we see that he gives thanks and he does it loudly. It's very clear from the story, isn't it, that Jesus delights in our gratitude. I have a sense, you know, that thankfulness or gratitude actually is the finest type of worship that we can ever offer to our God. 
I wonder if Jesus delights in our, in our expressed thankfulness and our heart gratitude more than he delights in some of the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning, important as they are as we gather. You see, nothing is more honoring than a thankful heart. So this man comes back to Jesus. He praises God. He gets right on his face. He does not have a thankfulness problem. There's no thankfulness problem in this one, is there? There was in the other nine. You see, perhaps worse than the the condition of their leprosy, this was a a greater problem. Their lack of thankfulness was maybe a different type of disease. Verse 15 and 16 say, One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, it says. I love the detail that the Bible sometimes includes. It seems so unnecessary, but he came back praising God in a loud voice. But that detail is there for a reason. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. Here's some more detail. And he was a Samaritan, it says. He was thankful and he was public about it. There's no holding back, is there? He was loud. He wasn't like me, you know, really shy and retiring. He was loud and confident to declare boldly all that had happened. 10,000 reasons for his heart to sing and he, he sings a few of them out and out of his mouth comes the overflow of his heart. The text says he praised God loudly. And I think to myself, well, why is that detail there? Why do they tell us? Why did he even praise God loudly? Well, I think there's one obvious reason, perhaps one slightly less obvious reason. The obvious reason is here is a man who'd spent his entire life shouting at people. This was his default volume for communication. He'd have to shout that he was unclean. He'd have to shout to people over the road to help him. But I suspect the real reason he said it loudly is that this public loud outpouring was utterly in keeping with with all that was going on inside of him. A whisper in this moment would have been the wrong response. Yes, Jesus, you did it. Jesus, you made a way where there was no way. Jesus, you've healed me from the inside outwards. Jesus, there's no one like you. You are a great God. You're my all-powerful healer. Hallelujah. Can you imagine him saying that? Well, he shouted it. You see, all 10 of the lepers used their loud voices to ask for mercy, didn't they? But only one leper returns to offer loud, thankful praise. 10 men prayed, one man praised. Now, maybe the ingratitude of the nine shouldn't surprise us. This story reminds us of something that we know only too well, don't we, from human nature. Most people are far more prone to pray in a time of need than to praise God after he's met that need. I wonder how many times I've called out to God when I'm desperate enough to do so, and then he responds to my prayer, but I don't stop and give him credit for the response that he's given to that prayer. It's so easy, isn't it, just to carry on in our busy lives without turning back. Turning back seems like a waste of time. But turning back thrills the heart of Jesus. So we should stop. We should turn. We should give thanks. We should give thanks loudly because Jesus delights in our attitude of gratitude. Thankfulness is perhaps the greatest worship that we could ever offer to our God. So these nine lepers, they get what they want and and they left. Jesus performed this mighty miracle. And you can imagine them kind of thinking to themselves or even saying to one another, great, we can take it from here. This is fine. We can go back to our wives, our old jobs, our families. Fantastic. Life can carry on. I wonder, too, if there's almost a a kind of arrogant pride on display here in this moment. 
You can imagine them thinking too, do you know what? This is just what I deserve, isn't it? I'm a faithful person. I trusted Jesus. I'm just getting what I deserve. I don't know if you've ever sat at a dinner table with children who gobble up the food and then get down and go and play. Know any of those? I know five of them. Sorry, four of them. One of them sat at the back. Only four. Only four. Do you know any children like that? We're full. Now we go out to play. Does that sound like your kids, your grandkids? Sound like you? Sound like me? Maybe sometimes. You know, Jesus notices gratitude and he notices ingratitude. You know, Luke doesn't say so directly, but I think Luke implies in this story that One man was a Samaritan. By implication, that means the other nine were probably something else, which means they were probably Jews. So in the story, we have nine Jews, nine people who believe and trust in God, and we have one Samaritan who does not. Now, if that's correct, what this story means is that those who should have been most grateful were not, and the one who should not have been grateful at all was And you do wonder, don't you, with these nine Jewish people, whether as good religious people they felt they had a right to be healed. But here's the thing. Whatever you don't turn into praise is at risk of turning into pride. Whatever you don't turn into praise is at risk of turning into pride. You can imagine them when they got back to their wives simply saying, look, I'm healed. Look, I'm healed. Fantastic. Without ever crediting the source of that healing. You can imagine them down the pub over a few drinks. Well, maybe you can't. Just sharing the story of how, yeah, I had leprosy last week, but look at me, I've been declared healed by the priest without ever referencing the healer himself. Here's a great quote. I so wish I'd written this. Ingratitude is leprosy of the soul. It eats away on the inside. It destroys our happiness. It cripples our joy. It withers our compassion. It paralyzes our praise. It enhances our self of self-sufficiency and renders us numb to all the blessings of God. Ingratitude is a different type of leprosy, a leprosy of the soul. Craig Groeschel, the, the author and speaker, has said this, and I think this is brilliant. It's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. Isn't that good? It's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who happy. So the challenge to give thanks and to do it loudly. But then there seems to be a promise to me in the text, or at least by implication, that those who offer thanks and those who are grateful will receive more graciously. Jesus says to this very thankful man, willing to go before God um, before his circumstances have changed, ready and willing to stop and worship before he returned home to his old life. And Jesus says to him, do you know what? There's something more for you because of your response. Jesus announces over this man complete healing, a wellness that passes all other forms of wellness in terms of healing. Healing of leprosy was nothing compared to what Jesus gives to this man. The nine were healed skin deep for this earthly life. But this one man is healed soul deep for the rest of eternity. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for you and he's done for me if you've come to know him as Lord and Savior. If you've trusted that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again for the forgiveness of your sin, then you've been healed soul deep for the rest of eternity. 
This is more than just a fleeting, skin-deep moment for this earthly life. Jesus has healed you for the whole of eternity, and he's given you salvation. That's our promise for those of us who have trusted in Jesus. So how could we not express that gratitude from a thank-filled heart? And then finally, the challenge to be the one. The mathematics of this story is really simple, isn't it? 10 minus 9 equals 1. And the challenge of this scripture verse is to be the one. One healed leper came back. One leper caught himself in the midst of his celebration and returns to Jesus, who was the source of his happiness. One man was willing to put his car in reverse to go back to the cause of his celebration. One man's thankfulness led to action that thrilled the heart of Jesus. And then Jesus asked that really poignant question in the story. And you can imagine the pain in his voice as he says this. He says, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? These men were were cleansed physically, but they were still spiritually sick. And Jesus says, only one Samaritan... One Samaritan has been made spiritually well because he turned around and he came back and he offered gratitude. Jesus' question is never answered in the text, where are the other nine? Why didn't they return? But I think we can guess at the answer. The answer, of course, is as old as Adam and Eve, isn't it? They didn't come back because they were sinful human beings. The nine were part of the me generation and Jesus' challenge is really simple. Be the one who thinks differently in this life and act differently. Because what we see here is nine men who were from the right race and from the right religion. And they were only healed skin deep. And here's this one man from the wrong race, the wrong religion with the worst possible disease. And Jesus heals him. It's amazing, isn't it? In these nine verses, Luke goes out of his way to point out that there was this lone leper who expressed gratitude to Jesus. And Luke says he was a Samaritan. He was a foreigner. Why is that significant? Because actually that's the theme of the whole of Luke's gospel. Luke is so keen that people will come to know that Jesus is for everyone, even Samaritans. Well, if there's hope for Samaritans, there's hope for me. By returning to Jesus, this former leper received something greater than his physical healing. He was saved from his sins, and that's the promise for any one of us who will come to Jesus. The Samaritans go off and they're declared clean by the priest. This man comes back to Jesus, and Jesus says, Your faith has made you well, or literally, your faith has saved you. Who would you rather hear those words from? From the priest or from the Son of God? I know who I'd rather hear those words from. Chris, your faith has saved you. Not just for a moment, but for the rest of eternity. And as Christians, we ought to be the most grateful people on the planet, hadn't we? Somebody said that thankfulness is the quickest path to joy. If you want to experience more joy in your life, then be thankful. Be thankful. And I have this sense that as we're thankful, the the fruit of the spirit of joy just comes to fill us and change us more and more and more and more than we were before. What a great story. It's a picture of life, really, isn't it? It's a picture of God's abundant grace that Jesus is willing to stop in the midst of other things 
and give people like you and me some time to picture too of the prevalent ingratitude that exists in the world in the me generation. Nine out of ten people will probably forget the blessing that they've received from God and only one will stop and say thank you. And then finally, it's a picture of unexpected grace, isn't it? Grace in a place where you wouldn't have expected to see grace. That's me. And maybe that's you. Grateful hearts so often pop up in the places where you least expect to see them. Let's make sure that we add our voices to the few voices who are offering that praise. The Apostle Paul says this, Colossians chapter 2, with this I finish. Therefore, as you have received Christ as Jesus the Lord, so walk with him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and you are overflowing with gratitude. Let's allow our gratitude to pour out of our mouths today and in the week ahead, because it's the finest worship we can offer. Let's pray together. just want to give a, a moment of stillness. We need to learn from the story, not just to race on and carry on in life, but to stop. To maybe look back over the last few days, the last few weeks, months, years, and to spot those things we need to be thankful for. Why don't you, just in a moment of stillness, just in the quietness of your own heart, just speak out words of thanks and words of praise. And as you speak them, know that it delights the heart of Jesus to hear you speak to him. just really feel burdened this morning as well. Um, but just possibly there's somebody who needs to recognize that so often Jesus calls us to action and then he blesses the obedience of that action. I don't, I don't know if that's for you this morning. Maybe you found yourself stuck and actually the problem is that you just haven't acted on the command that you've been given. Lord, whoever that, that's for this morning, I just pray. The words of that song, come Lord Jesus, come. Empower us by your spirit into action, I pray. Sense God is ready to, to bless you. To bless you in response to your obedience. And Father, we hear the challenge from this text to be the one. Lord, help us to walk against the tide of ingratitude in the world. Help us walk against that sense of entitlement that the world seems to promote. Lord, equip us and empower us to be the one who always comes back to you to offer thanks from grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
It's great to think that we've been healed so deep for all eternity because of what Christ has done for us. Thank you, Chris. Let's, uh, let's finish our, our service this morning with, uh, we're going to sing a couple of songs. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do.
This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You are our God and we will praise you. You are our God. We will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. Please do be seated. Uh, God bless you all. Thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your day, uh, whatever it brings. God bless you.